Live from Austin, Texas, this is Diversity Cafe, hosted by me, Angela Hood, CEO and founder of This Way Global. Our podcast features HR tech and recruiting experts that know our industry inside and out. They are the best of the best. Join us and enjoy a cup of your favorite brew and get the insight you need to meet recruiting and diversity challenges head on. Let's get started. Hello everyone, I'm Angela Hood and I'm the founder and CEO of This Way Global and you have joined us for the Diversity Cafe. I am so very happy to have two gentlemen that are experts in the DNI space. They come from an incredible company um, and I want them to really introduce themselves because I always love to get their perspective on what you do in the, in the company, what your company does. So Rashid, if you'll first introduce yourself and then I'm going to let Brian take away and explain to us what QTS does. Yes. Great to be with here with you, Angela. So I'm Rashid Mustakim and I'm PMO director for QTS data centers. Uh, we're responsible for the project management of all customer deployments as well as internal um, IT infrastructure deployments. Awesome. Great. Very good. Brian. Yeah, hi, I'm Brian Darby. I'm Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for QTS Data Centers. I've been with the company about six years and I oversee a lot of technology-based uh, activities and initiatives, particularly around the connectivity for our data centers. So I'm going to play um, ignorant on this because uh, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with y'all, so I understand a little bit more what QTS does. But if I don't know anything about data center, can you explain to me in uh, kindergartner terms, what do you do? <laughs> Yeah, so QTS Data Centers is one of the premier data center companies in the, in the world, and we've got large mega facilities that warehouse companies' critical technology infrastructure. So we support large hyperscale customers, and we support small organizations on managing and operating and securing their most critical assets, their IT assets. So we have facilities throughout the country and expanding throughout the world. I think of it as IT real estate, right? Just like an apartment or condo or anything else, except people is computer equipment. So that's, that is the, the crux of our business. Well, and I think we all know how important that is. So the way that we met you uh, is through an incredible investor that you have as a company, uh, Blackstone. And I think probably everyone has met Blackstone or knows about Blackstone. Um, but the one thing I don't think everyone knows is their initiative around ESG. And so do you, can either of you talk a little bit more about that and how does that impact you as a portfolio company? And I'm asking this from a founder's perspective a little bit because I always really value uh, the perspective that our investors have. Okay. Rashid, you want to take that? Sure. So, you know, Blackstone is our parent. Um, they acquired QTS back in 2021 and they are very intentional about um, their stance as it relates to ESG, especially in the DNI realm. And so that really sets a high bar for their portfolio companies. And it, it's sort of an ex expectation, right? I mean, it's obviously you're expected to perform well and be profitable, but you're also expected to be a good corporate citizen. And so that's the example Blackstone sets for us and that we work very, very diligently to carry out. 
And I would say that there's not a ton of um, financial investments that have that kind of focus. So I love the fact that they've uh, they're sort of setting the example instead of just pushing it down on you, which is kind of two different strategies. Uh, usually the setting the best example is the one that works best. When we first uh, talked to y'all, you shared some incredible stories with me about what DE&I and I think also belonging, what all of that means to each of you as individuals. So it's one thing to say it means something to you. It's another thing for you to say, we have figured out how to take very intentional action and make things happen. Because I will tell you, we have nearly 20,000 followers of our podcast. And I'll say the number one question that we get asked is, but how? It's fine. We, you know, we also believe in this, but we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to get it implemented. So Brian, I'm going to ask you, share one challenge that you had, and then just what very practically what did your team do to get the solution started? And then how did you know if it was working? Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of start at the beginning of this whole journey with Rashid and I took, and it's really after the death of George Floyd, it was really leaning in and being intentional about making an impact on organization. And the first thing that we did was we reached out to get alignment from the CEO. And Chad Williams is very receptive to having a conversation. And it was so important for us to understand exactly what he felt. This company is based on culture, right? It, he drives the culture. It's so important. And one of the things I would suggest to folks who are looking to get into this type of work or really drive change within the organization is to make sure you have that true executive alignment. Um, it's really important to push and work and have grassroots efforts, but in to, to really have impactful change, you really need to have executive alignment. So what Rashid and I did was we actually went out and we spoke to Chad Williams and we reached out to him around understanding where he was with DNI, where he was with diversity and inclusion. And that was so important. And that was really the foundation. And when I met with him in Phoenix and we were able to align with him as to there's more we can do and let's be authentic. And those were the two things that he said. And from there, we were off and running and really were able to take that mandate and start working at a grassroots level and throughout the pockets of the organization to have conversations, to drive for change, to build an ERG, to host events and really start driving for um, really having an impact on the organization, but really thinking about how we do things differently at the company. So it really starts with that conversation, really starts with getting key stakeholders and getting alignment across the organization, starting at the top. So when you say be authentic, I completely mm -hmm. agree with you, but everyone has a different version of what authentic is. So yeah. what is it for QTS? Yeah, so that's a great, great point. And, and when, when I spoke with Chad about that, he was really clear around wanting to do things not just for the publicity or for the um, getting captivated in the moment of what was happening in the world. He wanted to do things for the real genuine change that we can impact, right? Change that we could evoke. And I think that's what he was meaning. And I totally agree with that. It's not doing this type of work and you're not going to do this for accolades. You're doing it for the wrong reason. It doesn't come with that many accolades. <laughs> you really have to do this work based upon your genuine passion for change and really wanting to do something different for the betterment of so many people. So when he talks about authenticity, it really is around doing it for the right reasons, doing it in a way that we do it. 
So when we think about the naming of our ERG, it's around community. When we think about how we communicate with our team members, it's around culture and leaning in with, you know, respect and love and care initially to fill the gaps where there may be gaps and not fill with uh, ambiguity or confusion or distrust. So it's really an authentically thinking about how you want your programs, how you want your DNI um, framework to be, how you want the communication around these things to be, and it's being authentic in the way we do it. So I think that's really what he meant. And I think that's where Rashid and I have really tried to carry that and be authentic in how we do these things as well. So you bring up a good point and I'm going to hit on an acronym before we go any further. So Rashid, mm -hmm. explain to everyone what an ERG is uh, because we also talk to companies of all different sizes in all different scales of maturity around um, plans, DEI plans, and not everyone knows what an ERG is. Sure. So an ERG is an employee resource group, uh, also known as an affinity group in, in certain companies. I think it's really just a community, right? It's just folks that look like you, um, come from similar backgrounds. You, you know, there's relatability there. And I, I think a lot of the value in, a, in an ERG is conditional. In other words, if you're if you are from a minority background, if you're from an underrepresented uh, corner, you know, of, of the population, it's a lot more meaningful for you because I think generally when you step into spaces, whether it's in corporate America or anywhere, right, recreationally, just in your life, you don't always see a lot of people that look like you. So it puts you on your heels. You're at unease, right? It's not as comfortable for you necessarily to be authentic because your you know norms your whatever you don't see them being practiced so the erg is like a little bit of home right like imagine you're um you know an ex a foreign exchange student and you come across somebody that speaks your language immediately you're going to say wow that now i'm home right so the erg is again that pocket that allows you to be more of yourself and then i think participate more in the larger group because when you talk about being authentic and bringing your entire self to work. That's the key to work, right? We all bring different backgrounds and everything into that melting pot. So again, I think you're best able to do that when you're at your best and feeling your best. And that's to me, the real value of an ERG. I think that's one of the best examples I've ever heard of explaining that though, is the, the exchange student because it's so relative. Like I know even when I'm traveling, I, so when I was uh, building the R and D for the company, I lived in England. I lived there for four years. And if I was walking down any street in London, it didn't matter. And someone said something and I could tell they were American, we would talk. There, there, you are literally drawn to that person. That's why they're called affinity groups. You have affinity for like mindedness. That's, That's right. the springboard. Yeah. And the only thing that made us like minded at that point is that we were both Americans and we were both in London. That was it. But it was I enough. think that but it is enough. And it was like, I, I remember people, um, they would immediately like inside of three minutes. So like, okay, you live here. Okay. Here's my questions. Right. And they're doom, 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 banging them off. Right. Cause they, they're like, I'm going to talk to you for 10 minutes. I'm going to ask you everything I really need to know. And yeah, I just think like how much that could help a person inside a company when they're, especially when they're new and not just when they're new, but just to be able to sit there and say, I like, let's just have a core conversation about 
do you see this weird thing going on in our company or do, are you excited about this new initiative? I, I just, I think ERGs are some of the things that are most overlooked. Um, so I'm gonna ask you a question then. How do you start an ERG? Let's say that your company doesn't have one and you're like, maybe, maybe it's a company of a hundred people, right? Is a hundred people enough to have an ERG? And if it is, how do you get started? hundred percent. I mean, I think you get started organically and I'm going to call back to something Brian said, right? Post George Floyd, a lot of us came back to work that Monday, right after it, it, it extremely long weekend and we were hurting. Okay. And I mean, naturally, you seek one another out and again through dialogue through talking through relating to one another we're in a people business right so relating to one another is first and foremost without that you re it's really hard to go any further right so that was the basis right the, the formation of it okay so but there is a there is a lot of um there there is a lot of of effort and push and the there is there is a certain amount of being uncomfortable that is essential mm -hmm. right to make progress with dni okay one of your earlier earlier questions made me think of that right there is a a public or outward facing aspect of dni that can be very pristine it's very polished it's metrics it's graphics it's oh you know it's you know curated pictures of people in the break room and this and that right that's all theoretical the the actual real work of dni when the rubber meets the road is a series of uncomfortable conversations that move the needle and move things forward okay because if if those weren't necessary we would there would be no need to advocate for dni okay in other words if these things were just happening in companies it wherever right in workspaces there would be no need for the work that we do right so it's a matter of connecting, you know, with someone that may look unlike you, but finding a similarity with them and then using that bond to change their heart and their mind, right? Because you're trying to, they're standing on a certain square, you're trying to move them off, right? So you could both get to a further destination. That That's the at the, at the root of it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. If I could just add to what Rashid is saying, I, I think it takes... To his point, it takes, in my eyes, three things to do this type of work. It, it takes courage. It takes bravery to stand up and speak up when others aren't. Um, Rashid and I never considered ourselves to be pioneers or rebel rousers or whatever, you know, taking on the establishment. And, and, and we just didn't. But it came out of just courage, right? It came out of being uncomfortable and pushing past our comfort zone and, and speaking up around what we felt. I think the second thing it takes is vulnerability. I think there's times you're going to have to share your experiences. You're going to have to share things that have happened with you, your circumstances to help influence and guide and direct and give people an understanding of the world you live in and the position that you're in, your situation and circumstance and, and being vulnerable helps with that. Um, and I think the final thing is around being teachable, right? I think throughout this journey, Rashid and I have had to learn and listen to a lot of other people and learn things that maybe we didn't know and recognize that we have to be teachable around some areas of DEI that maybe we weren't familiar with. I mean, we have a myopic view from where we sit, but it's learning about other people's experiences as well. And we did some things around that that we talked about that, that really helped to shape our perspective. So you have to be courageous, you have to be vulnerable, and you have to be teachable. 
And those are the three things that we look for for people to do any type of work, anything like this in DEI. I, I, mean, I have to echo that really quickly because part of what we found, and, and I acknowledge your point about it, this is not about you know being a pioneer or anything of the sort, right? We're actually continuing the work that was begun decades ago, right, prior to our arrival. But the one thing I would say, naturally, when you step into this space, you become an exemplar. And what I mean by that is you, you, you're looked to for some type of example, direction, guidance on what to do, how to act. So therefore you have to model the behavior that you expect to see. Okay. So it's hard to demand something of another that you're not already practicing. So that's essential. I, well, I will tell you, I have already learned something from both of you just in this call. Um, Unfortunately, we are out of time and I want to ask a question. Uh, I'm going to ask if you will commit to come back not once but twice because I happen to know that there's at, at least two probably more things that I want to learn more deeply about. You kind of gave me teasers when we first met and I want to dig into those more. So could I ask that you both do that? Absolutely. Sure. That is amazing. Okay, so uh, again, Rashid, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to having you back on Diversity Cafe. Likewise, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to Diversity Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see the growth of fair recruiting, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a nice review. To stay caught up on all the latest, follow This Way Global on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at thiswayglobal.com.